Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that no matter what type of week we've had or whatever type of week we're going into, that we can take time now to reflect on your unchanging word and your unchanging character. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us of our great hope. Lord, we live in times of pandemic, not unusual times in world history for many before us have suffered plague, but these times are indeed novel and scary for us. Such a trial has made us acutely aware of our own mortality, the fragility of life, and has served to shake our naive ideas of worldly comfort and security. We confess, Lord, that so often we are prone to put our hope in things other than you, in sinking sands rather than the solid rock of ages. Teach us, Lord, as a church family to be completely dependent on you, forsaking all other hopes, even in good things, such as family or jobs. We read in your word as written by the Apostle Paul that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. Lord, this would be a hopeless prospect. We were reflecting last week on the terminal diagnosis placed on every one of us from the moment we are born, death. Yet how often we live completely ignorant of this fact. Lord, help us to acknowledge that our days are like grass, that without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we are completely without hope. Our only option would be pointless pleasure. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. But we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your salvation and rescue, because in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Thank you, Lord, that because of his sacrificial death in our place, rooted in world history, we are declared not guilty, and much more even than this, we are welcomed with honour into your family. Thank you that we have the Spirit of Christ living inside us. He helps us, he guides us, he comforts us, and he is the guarantee of our great inheritance. Perfectly joyous life with you forever, free from sin and sickness and death. Lord, we do have a hope of glory. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus as we run our race. And Father, we pray for our elders and those working behind the scenes at Crescent. We thank you for giving us faithful shepherds and humble workers. We pray that you would give our church leaders wisdom for the coming weeks as restrictions change and that we'd be able to meet together again soon. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for the leaders of our nation. Give them discernment to make good decisions. Thank you, Lord, for the news of several different vaccines. Thank you, Lord, that you have heard our prayer and answered us. We pray these vaccines would be rolled out soon and would be effective. But we pray, Lord, that the world would not forget the lessons you have been teaching of the need for all to turn to you. Thank you, Lord, that we have a so much greater hope than just a vaccine. Thank you that by your grace, you, the great physician, have inoculated us against condemnation, that, that death has no sting for those who are in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Glenn coming to speak to us tonight. We thank you for his ministry over the years in Northern Ireland and for all the times he's expounded your word at Crescent. Empower him by your spirit to speak what you need us to hear. Strengthen our weary souls with the hope of glory. Uphold us by your love and truth and stir our hearts to go into our different situations this week, proclaiming this hope that we have. For we ask it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.
Hello, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be able to share with you. Thank you so much to the leadership in Crescent for asking me. Many of you will know that uh, my wife Heidi is a writer and one aspect of that, she writes for uh, an organization in America or a community called The Rabbit Room and it's authors and musicians and artists, it's a whole collection of people and Heidi is part of that community. And what I want to do today through the course of this message is share from three of the contributors of that. The first one is called Douglas McKelvey. He has written an excellent book called Every Moment Holy. It's a book of liturgies for every day. And recently he wrote another liturgy. And I want to start with this. It's a liturgy for a time of worldwide suffering. Let me read this to you. Christ our King. Our world is overtaken by unexpected calamity and by a host of attending fears, worries and insecurities. We witness suffering, confusion and hardship multiplied around us. And we find ourselves swept up in these same anxieties and troubles, dismayed by so many uncertainties. Now we turn to you, O God, in this season of our common distress. Be merciful, O Christ, to those who suffer, to those who worry, to those who grieve, to those who are threatened or harmed in any way by this upheaval. Let your holy compassions be active throughout the world, even now. Tending the afflicted, comforting the brokenhearted, and bringing hope to many who are hopeless. Use even these hardships to woo our hearts nearer to you, O God. Indeed, O Father, may these days of disquiet become a catalyst for conviction and repentance, for the tendering of our affections, for the stirring of our sympathies, for the refining of our love. We are your people who are called by you. We need not be troubled or alarmed. Indeed, O Lord, let us love now more fearlessly, remembering that you created us and appointed us to live in these very places in the midst of these unsettled times. It's no surprise to you that we are here now, suffering in this turmoil, along with the rest of our society. For you have called your children to live as salt and light among the nations, praying and labouring for the flourishing of the communities where we dwell, acting as agents of your forgiveness, salvation, healing, reconciliation and hope in the very midst of an often troubled world. And in these holy vacations, you have not left us helpless. O oh Lord, because you have not left us at all, your spirit remains among us. Inhabit now your church, O Spirit of the risen Christ. Unite and equip your people for the work before them. Father, empower your children to live as your children. In times of distress, let us respond, not as those who would instinctively entrench to our own self-preservation, but rather as those who, in imitation of our Lord, would move in humble obedience towards the needs and hurts of their neighbourhoods and communities. You were not ashamed to share, share in our sufferings, Jesus. Let us now be willing to share in yours, serving as your visible witnesses in this broken world. Hear now these words, you children of God, and be greatly encouraged. The Lord's throne in heaven is yet occupied. His rule is eternal, and his good purposes on earth will ever be completed, forever be accomplished. So we need never be swayed by brief and passing panics of this age. You're the king of the ages, O Christ, and history is held in your Father's hands. We, your people, know the good and glorious end of this story. Our heavenly hope is secure. 
In this time of widespread suffering then, let us rest afresh in the surpassing peace of that vision that your whole church on earth might be liberated to love more generously and sacrificially. Now labour in and through us, O Lord, extending and multiplying the many expressions of your mercy. Amen. That's a very honest piece and very um, realistic as well, but it's also very hopeful. And what I want to do this evening, or at such times as you watch this little message, is speak to you about why I still have hope. It's been on my heart now for a few weeks. Let me say, I'm not minimising for a moment the suffering, the difficulties, the brokenness in our world and in the lives of people watching this message. I'm not minimising that. I'm not immune from those. But what I do want to focus on is hope. It's not a naive mindset. It's not a coping mechanism. I believe it's a fundamental part of kingdom living. And I want to suggest some things, some reasons why I still have hope, why I'm still hopeful. Firstly, in spite of all that's going on in the world around us, in our societies, in our communities, in our families, with our neighbours and our friends, I am saved and nothing can change that. And that's true of you if you've put your faith and hope in the Lord Jesus. Nothing can change that if we are secure, if we've repented, if we've turned to him. Let me read you a verse from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. And it reads that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I did that as a 10-year-old many years ago. And I stand on the foundation of my faith in Christ and his work on the cross. And irrespective of what goes on in the world, I still have hope because I am part of the family of God. I'm born again. I'm saved. There's tremendous security in that for those of us who know Jesus as Saviour and Lord. It's not a, a cross your fingers and hope for the best. It's a sure and certain hope on the authority of the Word of God. Let me read you some verses from Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Absolute hope on the being made alive, on his great love, on his mercy, on his grace, on the sacrifice of Jesus. And if we have surrendered our heart to him, if we've repented, then we're part of the kingdom, part of the family. And that's why I still have hope, because nothing will change that. So firstly, because I'm saved. Secondly, because I'm just one part of a huge universal story that God is writing and continuing. You won't be able to see these. Maybe these are, these are mustard seeds. They are tiny, tiny little seeds. They're among the smallest of seeds. And I was thinking about this. Uh, as I thought about the reality of being part of the kingdom, of being part of a huge universal story. And let me read you some verses from Matthew that would express this, a parable uh, that Jesus told. Matthew chapter um, 13, 
verses 31 and 32. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. From the tiniest, tiniest little seed, this huge tree came. And from a tiny seed planted in hearts, this huge harvest of souls right across our world. We are part, if we know Jesus as Saviour and Lord, of a universal story, of a big, big picture, which God is continuing to develop and write, and people are adding, are being added to every single day. Some beautiful verses of hope from Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood grace, God's grace in all its truth. God is at work, praise his name. So I have hope because I'm saved. And I have hope because I'm just one small part of a huge universal picture that the family of our God, God's at work, praise his name. A big part of my ministry is schools ministry. And I'm glad that this has continued. Now it's been different, but it has continued. So I try to spend currently at least a day a week in our local schools. And that is really in a pastoral capacity. So spending time with head teachers, uh, talking to them, listening to them, having an opportunity to pray with some of them spending time in staff rooms and again just having an interaction uh, with staff. I've had wonderful opportunities over the last seven or eight months in spite of restrictions and continue to be given great opportunities. So even though there's restrictions in place, God is still working. This universal story is still being written and God is still at work in the lives of individuals. A big part of my ministry over the last while has been online ministry, particularly in schools. So although I can be in the school, meet the head teacher and meet the teachers, and because of the bubble systems, I can't actually be in classrooms or the assembly hall. So a large part of what I've been doing is online ministry. And God has been blessing that. I've had the opportunity to send lessons and assemblies to many, many schools, not just the schools that I'm physically in, whenever restrictions aren't in place. And I've heard great feedback. Many, many, many children and teachers linking into lessons. And just last week, it was anti-bullying week. So some of the schools asked me to put together some material for lessons on anti-bullying. And I was able to do that and weave into that the reality and the truth of the Bible. So God's still working. I've just finished this morning. Uh, I'm recording this on Friday. So I've just finished this morning recording lessons for all the local schools for RE lessons for Christmas. So uh, for the primary schools, P1 to 3, and then separate lessons for P4 to 7. And again, tremendous truth. That's in conjunction with Scripture Union. Tremendous truth and reality in the message that we're going to present to thousands of children across uh, Newton Arts and beyond that as well. Had opportunity in post-primary schools to send in assemblies and lessons. And again, great feedback uh, from some of the young people who come to the church here, parents and also staff that I would know in those schools as well. So God's still at work. This universal story, people being added every day to the kingdom. Praise his name. 
You will have stories of God at work in your environment, in your situation as well. And let's hold on to those. In the midst of restriction and difficulty, sometimes we can become disheartened, but God is still at work in our world. Another opportunity which is open for me, which has been great actually, um, has been asked to be chaplain of Arge Rangers Football Club. So it'll be March time, or just before that, they approached me just before lockdown. Uh, they've become aware of increasing uh, mental health issues among children, young people and adults, and asked me if I would take on the role of being chaplain. And that has been a tremendous blessing as well. A lot of the children, they've got 11 children's youth teams, and a lot of the children will know me from local schools. So it's another link in the chain and great opportunities with some of the members of the Arch Rangers community. And then there's other things which I don't have time to share about, but these are just examples of God being at work. And why is that? There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 3.11, and it says, he has put eternity in the hearts of man. And I believe in this environment that we're in, maybe more than any other time, certainly in my lifetime, people are searching, people are looking, they're wanting hope, they're realizing the stuff is stripped away, there must be more than this. And praise God, many people are looking to online church services and physical church meetings and individuals who know the Lord and pray that that'll continue. So God is at work. That's the second reason we're part of this universal story, which is unfolding. Thirdly, God is still on the throne. Praise his name. Another of the rabbit room contributors is a, a lady called Helena Sorensen. And she wrote an article recently entitled Things Fall Apart. And let me just read this to you. I was really challenged by this. It was last week or the week before that she wrote this. Wrote this. And she writes, she quotes from a W.B. Yeats poem. She says, the words of W.B. Yeats rise like spectres and they are no longer poetry, but the anthem of a certain doom. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The new cycles, the unfolding lives, the relentless brutality, they spin so fast it seems inevitable that all the bits and pieces of the world I knew will be flung into oblivion. We can't go on as we have. The center cannot hold. I am frightened. I would suggest a lot of people feel exactly like that. But she finishes with this great note of hope. Whatever can be shaken will be shaken, but only because it was never an unshakable thing to begin with. Stated more plainly, the center will hold. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. It's held together by a circle of relationship, by Father, Son, and Spirit. The center is within us, reaching out to everything we encounter. It surrounds us, reaching inward to everything that's broken. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. God is still on the throne in heaven. And even though this world is in turmoil and difficulty, God sits on the throne and has compassion and love and interest and is working in our world. The here and now kingdom rule of God and the yet to come kingdom rule of God when he calls us to be with him. On the 9th of November, so a few weeks ago now, in the six o'clock evening news on BBC One, Fiona Bruce was interviewing Fergus Walsh a lot of us will become familiar with him now over the last lot of months. He's the BBC medical editor. And it's been doom and gloom from him over the last lot of months, understandably so, as he spent a lot of time in hospitals with people and, and chatting with different individuals. 
But on Monday night, on the night, it was a completely different reaction from both Fiona Bruce and Fergus Waltz. It's really unusual to see news reporters showing the level of emotion that they showed. It was on the day that the news broke of a possibility of a vaccine. And they were both exuberant as they talked about it and excited. And the reason is because I think they were hopeful. And Fiona Bruce actually mentioned that about having hope and hopefully good news for a change. And they were impacted by that. And you could literally see it because hope brings joy. Hope brings purpose. And when the world is dark, the light shines all the brighter. The founder of the Rabbit Room community uh, will be known to some of you. Uh, Andrew Peterson is his name. He's been across and done some concerts uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, tremendously gifted singer-songwriter. His, his, his stuff is packed full of gospel Bible truth. And he has an album which he released a few years ago called The Burning Edge of Dawn. And there's one song in it that I think is very pertinent to where we are now. And the song is The Dark Before the Dawn. And this, these are some of the verses. So I'm waiting for the king to come galloping out of the clouds while the angel armies sing. He's going to gather his people in the shadow of his wings. And I'm going to raise my voice with the song of the redeemed. Because all this darkness is a small and passing thing. This is the storm. This is the storm. It's the storm before the calm. This is the pain. The pain before the balm. It's the cold, the cold. It's the cold before the warm. These are the tears, the tears before the song. This is the dark. Sometimes all I see is darkness. Can't you feel the darkness? This is the dark before the dawn. And that leads me on to my final reason. There are many others, but my final reason, the reason I have hope. Lastly, all this is temporary. One day God will say, enough that's it, finished. He will wrap up the history of this world, the brokenness of our planet, and he'll make it new. And some tremendous verses of hope to finish with at the end of Revelation. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed, for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with man and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be their God listen to this he will wipe away every tear from their eyes there will be no more death nor mourning nor crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away I read that passage in March as I conducted the funeral service for my nephew who died at 21 years of age. Callum was born with profound disabilities, both mental and physical. And for the last 21 years, I've been cared for by my sister and brother-in-law. And at the end of March, his journey here on earth came to an end. And I read those verses. In the midst of very challenging circumstances with all the restrictions in and around funerals, and, but with a real sense of hope, that Callum's broken body and mind are now made new and restored. And the difficulty and the hardships and the brokenness of our world will not have the final say because they're temporary. God is on the throne and one day he will say enough. Nothing can change the fact that we are saved. 
God is still at work in this world. We're part of a universal story. God sits on the throne and he's coming back, which is the ultimate hope for the Christian. I want to finish in a moment with another Andrew Peterson song. It's Is He Worthy? For me, it is one of the most powerful songs that has been written in my living memory. It's an anthem, I think, for this current generation. It's based on Revelation chapter 5 in the Bible. And it's a, it's a great note to finish on, a real note of hope in the one who is worthy and makes all of these things possible. I trust that this message has been a help to you, an encouragement to you, a challenge to you, a blessing to you, as it has been to me personally, as I've thought it through and prayed about it and shared it. But let me just pray and then we'll finish with this song, Is He Worthy? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness, that there's light in the midst of darkness. Thank you that, Lord, we can have hope if we're saved because nothing will change that. And we become part of a big story, your universal plan in this world. We're part of something. You're still at work. You're still changing lives. Father, thank you that you sit on the throne of heaven. Nothing changes that. And as the world around us shakes, that is unshakable. And thank you that one day you will call us home. Jesus will come back and call those who know him to be with him. That is the eternal hope and the final hope of us, of those of us who know you. So thank you for this message. I pray that people will be challenged and encouraged, particularly people who are struggling, Lord. Draw close to them, we pray. People who have been bereaved, people who are suffering illness or illnesses in their family, people who are uncertain about careers, jobs, income, all of those things. Oh God, would you draw close to them and comfort them and use us to be salt and light in this broken, dark world for Christ's name and for his glory. Amen.